from the WGN Skyline Studio. WGN Radio presents a conversation. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. A dialogue. What are you prepared to do? An astute debate. Everything that's in the law. And a peek behind the curtain of politics. And then what are you prepared to do? I think Chicago is not only the center of the country, I think it's the center of the world. Don't tread on them. Where did this statement come from? This is the Sunday Spin. Your host is the Chicago Tribune's Rick Pearson. Good Sunday morning, everyone. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune, and welcome to this edition of the Sunday Spin for October the 6th. 2019. Yes, the first Sunday of October. Welcome to our weekly look at the world of politics and policy as we take you from City Hall to the State House and all the way to the White House. So, time to grab that Sunday paper, get that hot cup of coffee, and we'll do our best to get your week off to a great start. Well, at least weather-wise, we're off to a great start. We are this off week. to a great start. Yes, sir. A beautiful wow. sunrise. Uh, temperatures in the fifties, a little on the chilly side, uh, as to a, compared a, to what, but it's okay. It's yeah. a little brisk out it's there. It's a little brisk, but a sunny day today, uh, as we said a minute ago, maybe some clouds this afternoon, but no rain. Well, and this is like the first Sunday in several weeks, three weeks, we... <laughs> three weeks. Yes. Oh, you've been keeping track. It's been very easy <laughs> to keep track as I trudge over to the station with an umbrella and everything else step <laughs> in gear step in puddles that you can't see at five <laughs> o'clock in the morning like i did last week up to my ankles up to your ankles so that's why the shoes were wet uh yeah that's might have explained my cheery mood too a little bit <laughs> you're always in a cheery mood oh absolutely <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> is that an editorial content <clears throat> comment from no, the news room or what? Uh-huh. but uh yes indeed nice weather and tomorrow is going to be great uh once again a sunny day high in the 60s but how about this for monday night into tuesday morning it will get uh, chilly we could even see lows in the upper 30s in some places not ready not ready for that not ready not ready for that but uh you know we'll we'll, it remains uh, to be seen but uh, yeah the weekly forecast here looking very nice uh sunny Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Thursday, a little bit cloudy, but, uh, you know, to start off the week, we look great. Yes, yes, and boy, I don't want to switch the heat on. You know what? I did. I did. (laughs) I couldn't take it. I I tried. I tried. I put on my, uh, you know, uh, warmer clothing in in the living room. The extra fluffy pajamas. The extra fluffy stuff. (laughs) And it's just, I was just like, okay, I need to do something to warm this up just a little bit. And I turned it off uh, later on. But just a, a, well, really, in another, this is a good time of year to find out if uh, everything is working properly. (laughs) which it was that's a good point that is a good point make sure and change the furnace filter and all of that kind of stuff yep yep good good point good point well but with cold weather i mean we had our first uh blackhawks game we did uh Uh uh-huh exactly i i was very uh disappointed in the defense uh because that seemed to be where the entire game yeah. was played was in the blackhawk zone um couldn't clear out pucks turnovers uh slow footedness uh it just you know what what can you say about a game where you've got uh patrick Kane gets a goal and two assists i think uh 
Jonathan Taves had two assists. DeBrinket had a goal. Yep. Uh, Nylander, Nylander with a goal. With a goal. Yep. That was a good start. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's everybody else. And it, yeah. it uh, passes weren't crisp. Uh, I heard some people were saying that the ice wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't the greatest for both sides. Correct. Um, I, I thought uh, Corey Crawford had a great game. Uh, yeah, there was maybe one that uh, he, he let in, but I mean, he he faced over forty shots. Yeah, sa- uh, thirty-four saves. Okay, he made so yeah, right around thir- right around forty, right shots. around forty shots. Yeah. So, and and tremendous saves too. Yeah. No, he looked good. Uh, you know, and again, the defense is something that's kind of evolving still. I mean, Connor Murphy's been out. Uh, Calvin DeHaan, there, another one of their defensive guys, was uh, a late scratch or uh, was not healthy enough to play. You know, you, when you start calling guys up from Rockford to uh, to play in game number one in a global situation, and you're taking on the Flyers, I mean, yeah, it's going to be a little little uh, out of sorts, I guess, or out of sync. It, out of sync is a good way yeah. to describe it because that's exactly the way it looked. Yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of deferring, a lot of looking around, a lot of rather than decisive decision making. Uh, there was some there was some thinking going on, and a lot of the guys are just like to react. I mean, they they like right. to use their knowledge and react uh, when it, when it, when the play happens. Uh, you know, I mean, you have to look at uh, the fact that it's game one. It was an odd situation being where they were for as long as they've been. Uh, coming off of the training camp and also the, the the preseason, now get some time off, get a chance to practice, which is something that uh, coaches rel- relish these opportunities because you don't get too many of them during the season to be able to actually hold a practice because you're playing so much and traveling right, so much. Right. Uh, we'll see what Jeremy Colleton does there. I mean, there were there was some another positive too of the fact that you know, like we saw a little bit last year as well. This team uh, may get down, but they're not going to be out. They're gonna they're going to try to fight their way back. And uh, they they had action going there in that uh, in the third period, and and almost got the almost got a tire. So it was uh, it, it was good in those respects, but I, I agree with you. Bad uh, at least a bad start defensively. Well, and to get back into the game uh, meant pulling Crawford with right. two fifty one left in the yeah. third period. And you take those chances. I mean, why not? Right. right. I mean, uh, we always look at. Uh, what coaches do, and you know, he, he has a feel for his ball, his his team now, and it's it's so much uh, nicer for Jeremy Colleton now. Though he he went through a full training camp, went through a full preseason with these guys, has a better pulse as to what uh, what makes these guys tick. I mean, uh, kind of unfair to expect a lot of him last year. He did a great job, in my opinion, with a tr- uh, with a difficult transition. Uh, you know, taking over for a legend, basically, right, a guy right. that's won three Stanley Cups. Uh, and not an easy chore, but uh, he won the room over, and I think that uh, you know now he's got uh, a better grip on what's going on there. It's it's more his style, more his way, and uh, I think some of the moves in the offseason were certainly designed to his coaching. So, you know, one game it's it's kind of unfair to to paint a broad picture. I mean, this is a, an eighty two game schedule. It's not like it's the NFL where you lose one game and you're like, oh, oh here we go. It's only uh, sixteen games. So you know you don't you don't want to keep saying it's early, it's early, it's early, but you know it's early. It is early. Um, and and yeah, it is the first game. I mm-hmm. I, I get that. I, I get but there's that. a lot of anticipation, so I get why I get why a lot of people are, are you know a little concerned because you know it was well frustrated. Well, it was frustrating because of you know how how baseball ended in Chicago this week or that week, and um, you know you you look forward to things. You know the Bears are uh, out of town as well. Uh, both of these teams were were across the big pond well, at the I, same I, I, time. I was just know? going to say, let's hope that that isn't any kind of omen no, for the Bears. I hope today. not. 
I mean, the Raiders are not very good, but we'll you know we'll get to that in a second. But it's just, uh, yeah, I, I get the frustration, and I understand because a lot of it looked a little bit like it did last year, and people are thinking, well, what do they do to improve? Well, you know, there are a couple of guys that were out, so just let's let's see what happens when the when the full uh, roster gets back together. Yes, I agree. I agree. I'm not panicking. Yeah, I don't think anybody like should. Yeah, no, no, no. But uh, but we still have a few days away till was Thursday. Thursday night, the, yeah. Uh, San Jose will be in home town. opener, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, let's let's see what's uh, transpired uh, from the Friday loss yeah. till Thursday. Let's let's give it a shot. So what are we what are we looking for uh, in London? We're looking for Khalil Mack to be an absolute monster. Uh, against his former club. Uh, this is the first chance he's gotten to play against them since the trade uh, uh, last year, which basically uh, propelled the Bears to the NFC North Championship. Uh, I don't think they get there without him in that defense last year, uh, and I think they're not going to get there this year with, unless they play stellar defense once again. Uh, Chase Daniel under center, and it's. Uh, I, I keep telling people, you know, listen, Trubisky is the guy. I know that. I understand that. But right now, in the moment, on October, whatever this day is, October 6th of 2019, Chase Daniel is probably the best guy to run this offense. And he understands it. He understands how to run it. He understands the nuances of it. Not taking a lot of chances. Now, listen, I'm, I'm not saying that I'd rather have Chase Daniel than, than Mitch Trubisky. Don't, don't get me wrong. But I think Trubisky uh, could, could actually learn to you know learn something from watching Chase Daniel run this offense. And I hope he does. Well, I appreciated the steadiness. Yeah. Um, I appreciated... Quite frankly, a quarterback that that knew how to get their footing. Yeah, and decision making was was crisp. It was clean. It was quick, and uh, you didn't see too many throws into double coverage. Uh, you didn't see too many throws, which was fine because you know I'd like to see that running game get going a little bit with uh, with Tariq Cohen and also with David Montgomery. You'd like to see those guys get a little bit more involved. So uh, this might be that opportunity here as well. Uh, you know, the Raiders are a so-so team. I mean, uh, I watched a lot of their hard knock stuff this year, and it was uh, kind of a mess from the beginning. Uh, they had uh, the Antonio Brown situation going on. Now they right. got Devontae's perfect stuff going uh, with him being suspended for the year. So uh, it's kind of a team in turmoil, but those are the kind of teams you don't like to face all the time because they really don't have anything to lose. Uh, but I think this is going to be a good matchup. I think the, the Bears come out with the win. By how many? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not usually good at predicting that kind of stuff. I'm usually not very good at predicting who's going to win either. Right, uh, right. But I I, I think if, I think maybe by a, a touchdown and a field goal, maybe by ten points. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to a noon Bears game. Yeah, this is the first one of the year. Believe yeah, that or not, and it's on foreign soil. Is crazy, just crazy. Um, and then it's a bye week next week. Right. Uh, it's too early for a bye week. I agree. But I was going to say, a bye week already? Yeah, yeah well, and the, there's teams off this week, too. Uh, there's teams, the Lions and the Dolphins are both off this week. So, uh, yeah, and they give the, the Bears and the Raiders the, the week off next week after the excessive travel. So they'll give them a chance to get their legs back under them and get readjusted to life here in the United States. And uh, I'm still curious if Tariq Cohen was able to get to the... Uh, to the uh, Queen's guard, he he said he was going to be the one to crack them up because <laughs> he thought he was the funniest guy alive. He thought he was like Kevin Hart. He said <laughs> he thought he was like Kevin Hart. Yeah, he thought he would get he get him to crack. And uh, Mad Nagy was very very uh, suspicious of that, and also very. Uh, he said basically, yeah, you're not going to be able to do that. I did not uh, hear any reports. Yeah, me neither. So there were no international <laughs> incidents. So I think we're safe. Yes, <laughs> I think we're okay. 
Well, what was it? Last Sunday was Joe Madden watch. That didn't take yeah. very long. No, it didn't take long at all. Uh, it, it was interesting the way that that was handled. Um, I didn't have a real good feel for it one way or the other. Uh, I, I could see both sides of this. I could see both points. Um, it, it sounded to me like uh, there were there was a, a little bit of a need of a fresh voice. But, again, I don't know a lot of managers that would have been able to deal with and get this team that he had there with all the injuries as close to the playoffs as he did. Uh, I thought it was a miraculous job, to be honest with you, but uh, he didn't really have much to go with. Uh, you know, The lineup was banged up. The bullpen was uh, banged up all year. Starting staff did not give you very consistent numbers and, and consistent starts all year. So, I mean, that's a recipe for disaster uh, for even the best of the best. And, you know, obviously they, they saw something that they wanted to change. And it's obviously their prerogative to do that. He wasn't under contract past this year. And now it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. So I really like Joe Girardi. Yeah, he's been doing a great job with the commentary as well. On uh, he was on the the Fox broadcast of the Astros game last night with AJ Pruszynski of all guys. It was, <laughs> it was interesting. Uh, the, the two catchers from uh, from either side of town, and uh, they were giving him a lot of uh, a grief about uh, getting to know certain players because you know he might have certain jobs. The Mets are certainly interested in him. Uh, I know the Cubs have uh, formally announced that they're interested in him and they're, they're going to bring him in along with David Ross. They've already talked to Mark Loretta. They're going to talk to Will Venable. Uh, and I'm not sure what other, what other candidates they're going to talk to, but you know, I mentioned this yesterday, you know, not being able to get a good feel for who they want to bring in. And, you know, someone asked me, why not Joe Girardi? And I said, well, the only reason that you don't bring in Joe Girardi is if you as a front office and a general manager and a president of baseball operations want to have a, a, a bigger hand in what goes on day to day with the lineup. Well, then you bring in a younger guy, or you bring in a guy with no experience, and you have a chance to kind of mold him in your image. Right. Uh, otherwise, if you want somebody that can come in and probably win immediately, well, then you go with the established guy. Well, and I just, I mean, if if the goal is to be a a bigger force, I guess, with the players, mm-hmm. I don't know why you you would go with David Ross, for example. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like you know, your a parent should never be their ch- child's best, best friend. friend. Yeah, exactly. And I got that same thought because you know Anthony Rizzo and he were very close, uh, still are very close. And it's it's be, it'd be like uh, you know big brother babysitting little brother, and all of a sudden you have to hand out some discipline, and little brother's like, well, who, what, what, what is this? You know, right. you, you're my friend. What are you doing? Uh, it could be an awkward thing, but uh, you know, we, we've seen it kind of work out where. Uh, managers with no experience have gotten teams to the playoffs. Rocco Baldelli has done it this year with uh, with the Minnesota Twins. Not working out real well for them right now, but uh, you know it's 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 just all the way that you have to get to the inside of the situation where uh, what they're actually looking for. Now Theo can tell you all he wants to tell you at his closing press conference. I think that was a little frustration coming out as well. But when he described what he was looking for, uh, the guy that I was picturing the whole time was Joe Girardi. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, but it's not like. Uh, Girardi has had his chances and gets bypassed. And I don't know if this is just to put a name on the board. And then, yeah, you know, it's interesting because you know I, I know Joe a little bit from uh, from our time together with the Cubs, and uh, uh, and Joe is basically waiting for a, a job that that he thinks he fits. Uh, I think some of the jobs that have been open, I don't think he really felt like he uh, was going to be a selection because of the way that the front office was looking, mm-hmm. um, you know, different type of, uh, different type of play, different type of expectations. So uh, I think, you know, when you're in a situation like he is and yeah, he's doing some, uh, some good work in the media, but he wants to manage again, but 
he's not going to manage just to, for the sake of getting back there. He wants to get to a situation where you know he's going to be able to succeed. I'll be, we'll be watching all yeah, of this. Be that's interesting. for sure. Well, Dave's here to keep us up to date on all the news. Andy is back with the latest sports. Producer Casera is here to field your phone calls. We're at 312-981-7200. You can also text us at 312-981-7200. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Sunday Spin. We're also on Twitter at symbol Sunday Spin. Engineer Bob is starting to look for a Halloween costume. Remember, you can find all of our shows on WGNRadio.com, and you can also get our podcast, too, at iTunes by searching for my name, Rick Pearson. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The Sunday Spin on WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. Uh, Time to start or spin through the weak national politics. And, of course, we're focusing on the House Democrats' impeachment inquiry into President Donald Trump, already under fire for looking to Ukraine to dig up dirt on Joe Biden and his family. The president doubled down and told reporters that China also should look at an investigation. Well, I would think that if they were honest about it, they'd start a major investigation into the Biden. It's a very simple answer. Uh, they should investigate the Bidens, because how does a company that's newly formed and all these companies, if you look at, and by the way, likewise, China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. So I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens, because nobody has any doubt that they weren't crooked. That was a crooked deal, 100%. Though the allegations that the president makes regarding Joe Biden and his son are unfounded allegations, Trump has been bothered by Adam Schiff. He's the California Democrat who chairs the House Intelligence Committee that is leading the impeachment inquiry. Um, Congressman Schiff was actually at Northwestern last week uh, where he spoke about the investigation of, of the president. Trump has taken offense that Schiff took the White House memo of Trump's call with the president of Ukraine and basically issued a parody-like shorthand. Here's the president. The conversation was perfect. It couldn't have been nicer. I saw Rick Scott. I saw many of the senators talking about it, many of the congressmen talking about it. Not a thing wrong. Unless you heard the Adam Schiff version where he made up my conversation. He actually made it up. It should be criminal. It should be treasonous. He made it up, every word of it, made up, and read to Congress as though I said it. And I'll tell you what, he should be forced to resign for Adam Schiff. He's a lowlife. He should be forced to resign. And, uh, of course, we've had the president uh, doing all kinds of tweeting uh, yesterday, uh, basically unloading on uh, Mitt Romney, uh, a series of tweets on Saturday. Uh, Mitt Romney never knew how to win. He's a pompous ass who has been fighting me from the beginning, except when he begged for my endorsement for his Senate run. I gave it to him, and when he begged me to be Secretary of State, I didn't give it to him. He is so bad for ours, Trump wrote in a, a pair of tweets yesterday morning. Um, this is basically because uh, Romney is uh, was saying that uh, these 
well, actually, Romney denounced Trump as brazen and unprecedented in making these requests for Ukraine and China to investigate Joe Biden. You're listening to the Sunday Spin on WGN. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson, the Chicago Tribune, here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joining me here in the studio is Steve Cherico. He's mayor of Naperville, and he's president of the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference. Mayor, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Well, thank you for having me. Good morning. And I've, we even got the sunshine know, view for amazing. you here in the 18th floor overlooking... Uh, Navy Pier. I've never had this angle before. It's awesome. Great, great. Well, thank you for coming in. Um, I wanted to have you on because, uh, one, um, the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference, uh, I've been familiar with them for for many years and a a very influential voice in municipal uh, affairs of the state of Illinois. Um, Also, uh, with the veto session looming. I'm sure there's a list of wants, but before we begin all of that, w- w- tell me just what is the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference? Yeah. And I didn't know before I was mayor, so it's a good question. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's sort of like a chamber or association of municipalities. Um, it's called a Council of Government or a COG. And uh, for in DuPage, we have 33 uh, cities that uh, are represented by the DuPage Mayors and Managers. Uh, they work together to find uh, a unified voice of things that we can all agree on. So, I mean, we have cities with different needs, some small, some large, some by the airport, some far away, um, some home rule, non-home rule. Different rules apply to all of us. So sometimes uh, there are there are things that have, are of interest to a particular municipality that have nothing to do with another, but they can, they can benefit from that unified voice. Um, we try to find things that we all agree on all the time (laughs) and you can imagine that's not easy right right but um but we can there are there are a handful of things that year after year we all agree on are very very important for for, uh, municipalities well and i have to say that i assume number one was probably uh, a capital plan coming out of uh, springfield yeah i mean that was a big one uh this year that was unique uh but the ones that are more uh like year over year are protecting local authority or local control you know, so we don't get mandates put on us or having uh, decisions taken out of our hands. Or, or having the uh, sh- local share of the state income tax taken away. LGDF, yep. Our local distributive, uh, a government distributive fund is a, is a year-over-year concern for us that they're going to you know, dip into our pockets and take that money away. And so we are constantly have that on our uh, legislative action plan as we want to protect that. And I think every municipality across the state, every mayor and council member, feels the same way they want to protect those revenues from being dipped into so so those are those are the types of issues that uh the dupage mayors and managers collectively always agree on and are on our radar every the sustaining year. those yep. are sustaining yeah, issues yeah, yeah. and there's things like the capital plan which are uh which was a, a great issue this year that we certainly supported uh we all agree that uh you know investment in our infrastructure bridges roads and others things uh, was going to be important to all the communities so that was an easy one uh and then another couple that were that have been around for a while uh, has been uh, sort of pension reform is a generic term and uh, workman's comp reform those are two things that have been lingering the, the, the legislator has been legislature has been talking about different fixes for those things but just hasn't been able to come to an agreement well i mean i think at, at one point under uh, governor rauner they were actually it was a matter of semicolons and, and dotting i's to get that close on yeah. work comp yeah it was and it was. then it then it fell apart 
Yeah, I remember that. It was a shame. I was, I was hoping that when it was, when it when it was that close that they could have picked it up in the next session, but just they just didn't have the will to do it. Is there any will now? You know, I haven't heard anything on that. Uh, but uh, on the pension, the pension issue, there's a lot going on. So, uh, as you know, the well, we're gonna we're gonna okay. we're gonna we're yeah. gonna get to that in, sure. in just a, in just a minute. Okay. But um, how do you sense things in Springfield from uh, from the previous sure, administration? Yeah. Um, I, I, from my perspective, uh, I like the tone. Uh, they seemed they meaning you know our our both sides of the aisle have been working together a little bit better and uh, making incremental improvements. And you know we we recognize that. There's give and take here. Uh, the capital bill is a great example. Uh, it's one thing to say we support the capital bill, but then they're like, how do you get paid for it? Right. Well, and of course, that was always going to be the big debate. Right. Right. Is, uh, yeah, everybody loves the projects, but... Right. Uh, how do you pay for it? Exactly. So I'm not thrilled with you know a, a gas tax, but at the same time, we understand that we, we need to get this done. And so those two, I think there was some give and take, and I think they showed good stewardship of... You know, as in general, of 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 doing the right thing. Well, and and I would assume too that it because of having it come from Springfield that puts less of a strain on already constrained issues like property taxes. Right. No. Yeah. No doubt about it. Because that's the only other really pocket that we could go to if we have to replace a bridge. You know. So um, so that was a big deal. I think that uh, to your question though. Um, I personally appreciate uh, that that the the legislature is working together, the general assembly is working together, and trying to find some solutions. It's not easy; these are tough issues, and uh, and both sides are very passionate about it. But if they can continue to work together to find some incremental changes, uh, I think Illinois is going to benefit. Um, I wanted to ask you too about I, I know, and I think this was something really kind of pushed into page was the issue of. Uh, the hotel motel uh, tax revenue and and being able to broaden the the use of that out yeah. was I think that emanated out of explain it issue yeah. if you would so this is one of those issues that uh, really applied to some of our smaller communities in DuPage County it didn't apply to the larger ones like Naperville or Downers Grove uh, this is a non home rule. Um, restriction that was placed upon the smaller uh, communities that uh, required them to use all their hotel motel tax for a specific purpose. And it was usually for the Visitors Bureau or Convention Bureau. And some of these smaller communities were saying, hey, listen, we need some more flexibility. Allow us to use some of that money, in this case 25%, for our other needs. Uh, in the case of like Nap- Naperville uh, or other home rule communities, we can use it however we want. There's no restrictions. A portion of it does go to the uh, Visitors Bureau and the Convention Bureau, but um, but it's not required to. So the non-home rule communities, the smaller communities, just ask for a little bit of wiggle room there so that they could use a portion of it towards other things. And we were able to uh, assert some of our influence to get that done, and, and we're happy to, to stand by. This is where the whole being a unified voice becomes important because um, uh, larger communities you know, supported the smaller communities in this effort because we knew it was just good for DuPage County. And that gets the legislative delegation together as well. Correct. Yes, which makes things a little easier. Yeah. As, it, as, a, as a force, it does. I mean, I think uh, you're going to be talking to Mayor Trilla in a little yes. bit, but but uh, I'm sure he'll explain to you the value of having a of being a small community and having that that uh, sort of. Uh, critical mass of, of support behind you when you need it i also wanted to ask you about too the uh, um, 
this was, I guess, kind of the Amazon tax issue, yeah. um, which I know that that's something that the retail merchants have talked about for a long time uh, and being critical about those kind of exemptions for mail order goods being exempt from local taxation and how that's not the case anymore yeah and technically they weren't exempt before either it was just the burden of who paid for it or who collected that tax was is shifted um this was a, a, a an item that went through in the last legislative session that just sort of went under the radar I don't know why. And, and it was a major, always a major issue before. Huge issue. And because I think because of the Capitol bill and because of the cannabis uh, thing that uh, for whatever reason, people just didn't talk about it. But this was a big win, a huge win for uh, the municipalities. Uh, we've been complaining for um, many, many years that uh, Internet sales have been um you know, re- reducing our retail sales tax locally. And, you know, we... It, it's been a it's been unfair playing field for the brick and mortar shops, and so uh, for them to have gotten this done was just a big win for Naperville. For an example, this this is about three million dollars per year in replaced revenue. So and and what it is is just simply uh, is treating now the internet companies the same as a brick and mortar. They are now required to collect sales tax and deliver that to the state and the municipalities also, uh, as opposed to putting that burden placing that burden on the. Uh, the buyers, right? Who never did it? No, right? <laughs> or are supposed to file that form at the end of the exactly, year, explaining exactly. everything that you bought over, right? <clears throat> Three million is a significant amount of yeah, money. That's what I'm saying. I mean, when you start to talk about the impact, financial impact of some of these things that have gotten a lot of attention, this is a big deal, and it really hasn't gotten a lot of attention. So this was really, really good work uh, that, by the General Assembly. What's the city budget in Naperville? 125 million. That's all in with that's right. our library and and uh, uh, you know sort of non core service budget you know but so it's significant absolutely yeah. we're speaking with Mayor Steve Chirico, Mayor of Naperville and President of the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference. I'm Rick Pearson. This is your Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio, joined by Steve Chirico. He is the mayor of Naperville and president of the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference. We're kind of talking about municipal issues, not just exclusive to Naperville, not just exclusive to DuPage County, actually, uh, but just some of the legislation that got passed, as well as uh, what lies ahead. We've got the fall veto session that begins in Springfield at the end of this month. And one of the big topics, and we've talked about it on this show before, has been the issue of pensions and constraining constrained pensions, uh, the, the fact of uh, property tax revenue, more larger share going for pensions, and uh, an effort to try to consolidate uh, the, these hundreds of pension funds together. Explain the issue, if you would, Mayor, as well as what resolution we may be headed to, if any. Sure, yeah. So um, Illinois has two basic pension systems. We have uh, the municipal employees and we have the public safety. So one's called IMRF and the other is just called public safety. And IMRF is the gold standard of pension funds in a state notorious for underfunding its pensions. It's well-funded, it's properly funded, uh, and and it... uh, its investment returns are consistently year over year for many many decades now um, higher than the public safety returns. Uh, 
And so they have they have different rules, and they and because it's it's structured differently, it's all one board for the whole state, versus in the public safety sector where we have 650 boards managing all these funds. And so uh, just because of the way it's structured, the returns are anywhere from two to four percent annually less than the the municipal funds, the IMRF funds. So I mean, which is a significant it's amount huge. of money. It's huge. I mean, even Naperville, which is a pretty big community, right? And we're the number one funded municipality in the state with larger cities. So we're in pretty decent shape. We've been very uh, um, responsible, I think, about funding this thing. But in our case, it's about a two percent delta. Okay, because we have a pretty uh, critical. We have enough critical mass to uh, to be able to take advantage of many of the different investments that are out there. Uh, some of these more ru- these rural areas. They don't. They don't have the volume to get involved with these types right. of investments. They have about three or four percent delta. But in Naperville's case, we have about three hundred million dollars in the investment accounts for our public safety. So two percent difference in returns per year is six million dollars. That's an enormous amount of money. Um, over ten years, sixty million compound that. It's Compounded, 70 million, right? Seventy million. That really closes the gap by itself. That little change can close the gap by itself with uh, funded and unfunded. It's amazing, you know. So I mean, if this is something, and and if you're on the labor side, if you're a police officer or a fireman, you're looking at your your retirement account and you're saying, hey, I can get five percent return here, or I can get seven percent return here. You know, it seems like a pretty uh, pretty easy decision for them as well. But this, I mean, there's always been talk about mm-hmm. this, and there's been, I mean, it's a repeated priority effort from uh, municipal officials. Right. But you also have the issue of the turf war and the argument that, well, you know, this is local control, these are uh, local people on the board. Right. And to me, it's it's, it's the issue of, these are significant investment issues right. not the not deeming awards yeah you're absolutely right i mean and and their concern their I mean labor's concern is they didn't want to lose a, that administrative hearing process that local control for um determining if and when someone is entitled to or uh prohibited from getting a, a pension benefit and uh and that's not part of the discussions uh, they will maintain that control uh, going forward. This is only about uh, investment restructuring. So this doesn't talk about touching the benefits, which is uh, always a you know right. a big hot issue and very very passionate issue for the uh, labor. Uh, so no one wants it, no one's talking about touching those benefits. We're just talking about restructuring how the funds are are invested. And so um, it's really something that. In my view, really makes sense. Um, as you know, the governor put together a task force. Their recommendation is is coming, I believe, next week on this. Uh, I'm I'm serving with Brad Cole on the uh, IML uh, working group for pension investment uh, consolidation. Uh, we don't even like to use the word pension reform because that has that. I don't like the word reform just yeah. because that now has become kind of a word that's been corrupted by its meaning. That right. its reform is in the eye of the beholder. Right. Yeah. So we we. You know, it's it's not and it's not that. You know, we're not, again, we're not talking about benefits. We're just talking about uh, uh, making the uh, structure of the public safety pension system more like the IMRF system, where it's uh, governed by one board, uh, one fund manager, 
and so that they can eliminate a lot of redundancy and costs for fund management. Well, and that's what I was going to say, because fund fund management, what these investment uh, firms get, I mean, they get their cut. Mm-hmm. And when you have 600 different boards where there's, you know, multiple investment managers getting their cut, I would think as an efficiency guide that might be a a stronger argument to make we have an enormous opportunity here to really make an incremental change in this i mean we've talked about pension improvement and some of these as you know some of these municipalities especially more rural ones uh, uh, will likely never get out of this their pension debt uh, again, Naperville's in pretty good shape, but there's a lot of communities that uh, uh, they're not in good shape. We need to start to take some steps to close that gap. And this is one of those steps. And again, it may seem small, but 10 years from now, it'll, we'll see the needle move. We're getting a couple of texts. and One is uh, with the history of the state going broke, <laughs> why, should, why should one uh, pension system be trusted here? Well, I mean, the proof's in the pudding. IMRF is a system that's been run by the state now for uh, several decades, and it has been performing very well. And then in in contrast, another texter says, well, the uh, city managers and and mayors make sure IMRF is fully funded, but in many cases, aren't they shortchanging the public safety funding? Yeah, and I think that there's got to be some rules around that. I mean, that's why I said that Naperville has been responsibly funding this for for decades now, and so we're in good shape. Um, We certainly want to make sure... I mean, there is enforcement in IMRF, as I understand it. There is. That if the locals don't make their contribution, money gets diverted to make that contribution. Exactly, exactly. We, I'm sure, recognize that in some cities here recently. Um, But I think that... uh, So I I agree with uh, the person who texted that we need to have some rules around this to make sure that the cities don't just um, take this relief and then continue to kick the can down the road by not funding or improperly funding uh, their their promised you know uh, contributions i want to ask you about naperville specifically about the issue of uh legalized cannabis okay um because this is we've seen a number of cities are are vying with this issue right now and uh I know it's been a controversial topic in in Naperville, <laughs> uh, to put it mildly, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but um, and I believe there's already a medical dispensary. There is in Naperville, um, and under the law, they would those medical dispensaries would kind of get the first crack at uh, retail for right. January first. But uh, the vil- city of Naperville uh, has said no on adult recreational cannabis sales correct um why is that well i think that uh first of all people are really really passionate on both sides of this argument um in naperville there was a pretty well organized grassroots effort to um come out with an opposition towards this and i think that there it was it was um strong enough that the council felt that hey look we need to let the the voters decide this one we don't have tons of referendums, but this is one that they just felt like... Uh, so this is going to referendum. It will go to referendum, correct. And that'll be on which ballot? So uh, at this next meeting, October 15th, we'll be discussing the, the referendum date. Uh, it'll either be March or November, likely, uh, and we'll see where that falls. Um, and again, there's there's positions both ways on that as well, very 
very passionately. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. If I may, though, you know, the whole reason that we we are in this situation is in large part uh, because of the work of DMMC, which um, the DuPage mayors and managers when this law was passed in the last session uh, fought for the ability to opt out that was one of the things that they wanted municipalities to have that right to do mm-hmm. now it's put some pr- pressure on a lot of cities being instead of it being mandated like the medical marijuana was right uh, that we have the ability to choose for ourselves but this is part of our you know something we fight for all the time is we want that we want to have that local control that local authority to govern ourselves so you gotta you gotta take it both ways right so we will uh, we will be waiting and seeing what happens with the the, the anticipated referendum. Correct. Um, the other thing, by the way, that DMMC was uh, influential on with this cannabis law was being able to locally tax, right? So that we could you know get some of those revenues so that we can use that for training and equipment and things like that for the police and other other matters. That's Mayor Steve Tarico. He is mayor of Naperville and president of the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference. Mayor, thanks for joining me this morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome to the second hour of your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Uh, we've been talking about how, uh, obviously, House Democrats moving forward with the issue of impeachment uh, on Donald Trump, the impeachment investigation being led by the House Intelligence Committee Chairman uh, Adam Schiff of California. He has issued subpoenas to State Department personnel about Ukraine, the whistleblower complaint, uh, but Secretary of State Mike Pompeo says he can't agree to what Schiff wants. This is how Schiff responded. We are deeply concerned about uh, Secretary Pompeo's effort now to uh, potentially interfere with witnesses who whose testimony is needed before our committee, many of whom are mentioned in the whistleblower complaint. Um, And we want to make it abundantly clear that any effort by the secretary, by the president, or anyone else to interfere with the Congress's ability to call before it relevant witnesses will be considered as evidence of obstruction of the lawful functions of Congress. Now, in Italy, Pompeo, who was on the call with the Ukraine president and, and Donald Trump, uh, Pompeo says he's try- not trying to avoid congressional oversight, but he said even that has its limits. What we objected to was the uh, demands that were put that are deeply violate fundamental principles of separation of powers. Uh, they contacted State Department employees directly, told them not to contact legal counsel at the State Department. That's been reported to us. Uh, They said that the State Department wouldn't be able to be present. There are important constitutional uh, prerogatives that the executive branch has to be present so that we can protect important information. So our partners, countries like Italy, uh, can have confidence that the information that they provide the State Department will continue to be protected. And so uh, the response that I provided to them was, one that acknowledged that we will, of course, do our constitutional duty to cooperate with uh, this co-equal branch, uh, but we are going to do so in a way that is consistent with the fundamental values of the American system. That's uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. Uh, 
We're going to bring things uh, back local now, and joining me here in the WGN Skyline studio is Frank Trilla. He is the mayor of Willowbrook, and uh, the village getting a very major victory uh, with the announcement that Sterigenics would uh, be shutting down its controversial operations in, in Willowbrook. Mayor, thank you so much for joining me. Morning, Rick. It's great to be here. Um, this has been a, a long effort over a, over a year, and I mean, even even how it unfolded in the end was, I think, very surprising. Yeah, it, it it's been over thirteen months, and uh, it kind of ended the way it came. It uh, very sudden. Uh, we didn't see it coming in the beginning, and uh, it ended uh, to quickly as well maybe explain how this all unfolded with the fact of the uh, ethylene oxide emission issue and uh the basically the the movement by the people in the village the stop sterogenics movement and yeah they were great um you know there's so many people that were involved from the village trustees to the employees and people that work for the village um the legislators uh, the, we actually had unanimous uh, support down in Springfield, which was uh, incredible. Um, Jim Durkin and John Curran, Deanne Mazaki, um, Greg Hart—all these—they were amazing. Uh, the Stop Sterogenics people um, were fantastic. They kept this uh, issue uh, up front. Um, on everybody's mind so um, I don't think there's any one group or uh, one person who could have done this by themselves this was a massive team effort um, and um, we got where we needed to go so that's great I mean how did this first unfold the well it was uh, August 22nd and I got a report that um, it was a 14-page report from the ATSDR, which is a department of the CDC, which is, um, I had never heard of the ATSDR before. And um, so in one of the sentences in the original report said that uh, anybody who lived or worked in Willowbrook would be at a higher risk of cancer. Because of these, because ethylene. of the ethylene oxide emissions, and um, so we, uh, I immediately, I happened to have a coffee that morning um, for to discuss other local issues in the Willowbrook area with um, John Curran and um, Jim Durkin. Jim and Durkin I, being Jim the Durkin. House Republican leader, exactly, and. Um, I asked both gentlemen to come back and, and read the report with me because it was it seemed so ominous that maybe maybe I wasn't seeing the whole picture. And uh, when they came back, we literally spent five or six hours poring over the report, um, going through both of their cell phones for contacts. We talked to the director of Illinois EPA immediately, um, all kinds of people. We spent the next several days calling just about every elected official we could get our hands on. Um, Peter Roscom, uh, had, at that time, uh, was our congressman. He had helped us to immediately get the um, U.S. EPA to come in only seven days later to explain themselves. 
Um, they basically dropped this in our lap and expected to, I don't know what they expected to do, but they weren't intending to come back and explain it. So we were able to hold their feet to the fire, get them, get the ball rolling that way. Well, it seemed like there was a great deal of frustration with US EPA. On this. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it's been uh, an education, an education in bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's it's um, it's scary to think that that organization um, is in charge of protecting us all. It, the the gross inefficiencies of the massive federal bureaucracy was on full display. So eventually we get to Springfield and we get uh, then legislation is passed. Yeah, um, that was that was fantastic. Uh we really thought that was going to be the the end. The end and and it wasn't. It wasn't. Um then we learned a little bit about state environmental. Well, let's 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 talk yeah. about how this legislation basically uh to put in the most strictest Right. Uh, it, rules it, yeah, we, on ethylene really oxide we emissions. That that was it. And then all of a sudden there's a consent decree yeah. uh that's yeah. reached right. uh with the state. And then there's a building permit. Correct. By granted by Illinois EPA. Correct. So it seemed like the saga was still going to continue to go on it seemed that way and um and then we would have had to have uh, gone back to the legislation to try to um close what gap in the le- prior le- in the matt haller act um there was a it seemed to be a gap so um once that became apparent um leader durkin you know offered to go ahead and offer a additional legislative uh fix to help uh give home rule towns an opportunity to ban ethylene oxide which would have then shut the door now there i mean there's still legislation pending yes sir and and there's also issues of you know whether just it should just be outright banned correct and this is not just a willowbrook issue anymore this has gone uh, nationwide nationwide correct I mean, in many respects, it's been what's been going on here. People are looking from other states as a kind of a template. Yeah, we've we've pretty much established a, a Willowbrook model. Um, we've been contacted by people from other states. What do you do? How do? You, what were your first steps? How do you get things going? And then um, a lot a lot of uh, support comes from the Stop Sterogenics people who have actually gone out of state to to help these other communities one of the things i I wondered about and i I did talk to leader durkin about this at one point was given some of the frustrations with the bureaucratic nonsense that was going on was why wouldn't there be a way that the director of the state department of public health could just declare a health emergency and shut the place down we tried that right in the beginning um we reached out to them when i say we uh the village of willowbrook and um Jim Durkin uh, had helped us get in contact with them. We had the Illinois Department of Public Health come down probably two weeks after we got the letter, and uh, they agreed to initiate a cancer cluster study, and usually takes about eight months. They promised they'd fast-track it. They did get it done in six months. So when that study came out, it really 
confirmed what everybody was thinking. But like that there was higher levels. But they didn't have the authority. They didn't have authority to shut a business down. Yeah, it was kind of strange. They 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 would walk right up to the line where um, they would give you all the data, and then at the end they put a disclaimer on here that says it is not causational. So they couldn't draw a direct link, which um, was disheartening at the least. Despite the data, correct. They they couldn't draw a direct link. Others they have. Wouldn't. I, I could say they they wouldn't they wouldn't I don't know if they could or could not have but others others have drawn that link yes very interesting uh, well we're speaking with Frank Trilla he's the mayor of Willowbrook we've been talking about the issue of uh, sterogenics uh, shutting down its operation in Willowbrook and eliminating that threat of uh, cancer causing uh, ethylene oxide emissions I'm Rick Pearson this is your Sunday spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joined here in the studio by Frank Trilla. He is the mayor of Willowbrook. And we've been talking about the uh, end, hopefully, of the saga of sterogenics and the firm's release of cancer-causing ethylene oxide emissions uh, into the area. And, Mayor, we were talking off the air you know, this is not there. This there is no uh, playbook for mayors on how you deal with issues like this. No, when I when I testified in front of the state, I, I told them I said, you know, they don't teach us in mayor school. <laughs> there is uh, there is no playbook, so we had to uh, create one. Uh, probably one of the best things we did was create the task force right up in the beginning. Uh, one of our trustees, her name is Gail Neal, did a tremendous job. Um, she had, uh, she put together a group of the best people we could find to handle all the science and the factual um, search to, so we could make an intelligent decision going forward um, with, uh, hy- you know, hygienists and engineers and all types of uh, scientific community people. Now, Sterogenics does business around the country? Around the world. Around the world. So that when we say kind of this template here, the, the other communities are looking at worldwide. Yeah, maybe. I haven't been contacted outside the country, but several areas yeah, within the Georgia? country. Georgia, absolutely. Um, talked to the mayor, Smyrna, and uh, and a couple of his deputy mayor. Uh, we um, talked to them about the task force and really first steps and um we're able to help them, I think, dramatically. They've they've made great strides quickly. Uh, it's just it, it, it's it's one of those things where I look at it. It's where you know this is where government should be. Why we have government, but at the same time, you look at the bureaucratic obstacles that other government imposed. Yeah, no, nobody can react like local government. Um, everybody else, it, it's so bureaucratic and it's just so big, cumbersome, cumbersome. You know, in the village of Willowbrook, we have six people in our administrative floor. So, um, and in the middle of this, we had three retirements. We lost over 90 years of experience, which had nothing to do with this. It just happened to be, there were 30 year employees that had told us six months earlier, they were going to leave. 
So uh, we went through a different, a new village manager, a new uh, executive secretary, a new village clerk. It was it was trem- all in the middle of this. That's trial by fire. It was crazy. It was crazy, but we um, we we did fine. And so ultimately, we get to the end of the saga. Here is that. Uh, they didn't renew their lease. They didn't renew their lease, and um, that's that's the, the the word we're reading in the papers. And um, I'd like to uh, thank the people that own the building that wouldn't allow them to renew the lease. I mean, it's it, they also cited what they called this uh, unstable legislative and regulatory landscape, but that's kind of the verbiage, right? And you know, and and. And that that's a compliment to um, our elected officials that have continued to try to battle this. And they weren't willing to just stop after the Matt Haller Act. They were going to continue. Um, you know, Rep- Representative Durkin and Senator Curran were not going to be denied. It was not a matter of if, it was a matter of when. I want to switch gears here and, sure. and kind of follow up on... Uh the conversation I had with Mayor uh, Cherico from Naperville. You are uh, the vice president of the DuPage Mayors and Managers Conference. And uh, speaking of people retiring, we were talking about the pension issue. Um, Big issue. Are you you confident that this task force will actually produce something that the legislature can deal with? We're as close as we've ever been. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity. And... uh, Governor Pritzker has uh, really surprised me in a lot of ways and um, taken initiative on issues that um, have surprised me. I I give the guy credit for a lot of credit for what we've been able to do with sterogenics, and I would not be surprised if he's able to get this done. This this makes sense. This the pension issue is a math problem. This is not a necessarily a moral issue, um, and it can be addressed steve hit on all the right points um 650 managers uh and all the little tiny percentages that they take adds up to a huge number when you uh, consolidate that management Uh, and and, uh, again we're not talking about cutting benefits no you're not touching benefits you're not um you're not renegotiating any kind of labor issues whatsoever. You're all you're all you're doing is managing the money differently. Period. And and a greater sum of money with the expectation of greater return. Right. Well, you know, you have if you have a pot and it's a very large pot like IMRF, they can go into bigger, more secure um, financial instruments that give you a better return. If you take that same pot of money and you divide it 650 ways, those pots don't have the same power. They cannot get the same investment quality as if they were all combined together. When you combine them together, you get better returns at lower management fees. Are you confident that this is something that labor would support? I would hope they would. This is this benefits them as much as it benefits the municipality side, too. This is a win-win. This the people that there's going to be maybe 650 people that lose in this deal and those are the money managers the entire state outside of those 650 people win but you know what a turf war i know it's a turf war i understand that but 
I don't have to explain the financial situation of the state of Illinois. I mean, how uh, how how are how stable are the pensions, public safety pensions in Willowbrook? Willowbrook's pensions are seventy one percent funded, which is pretty high. Yes, um, it was eighty two years ago, and it'll be sixty two years from now. Um, the momentum of the pensions is overwhelming for small municipalities. Now you had um, night and day. So you had Naperville earlier, who has several hundreds of millions of dollars that they fund, that they deal with. We're an eight million dollar a year total budget town. Triple um, A bond rated uh, for the last six years, and there was only seven towns that were non-home rule AAA bond rated in the whole state of Illinois. We were one of those seven. We just received uh, home rule, so that changes that. But um, it's it's the one issue that could take down every municipality in the state. And I'm not sure people understand. Well, and it's and again, it's a math that. it's a math issue, and um, so our town's only about fifty fifty five years old, and so that means that a lot of the people that started uh, as police are now retiring. So what wasn't an issue for us 10 years ago is now vital. It's um, instrumental to the survival. So any, ch- any way that we can um, help the municipalities without hurting labor is, is huge. And this is one of those ways. This, this, is, this is a win-win for everybody. Well, we'll be watching what the task force does as well as what the General Assembly reacts to it as well. Frank Trilla, Mayor of Willowbrook, thank you so much for joining me here this morning. Oh, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. Now, the Sunday Spin continues on 720 WGN. Here's Rick Pearson. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. On CNN, Democratic Congressman Mike Quigley of Chicago, a member of the House Intelligence Committee, uh, Quigley says that a review of uh, text messages and Trump's actions make the president appear treasonous it is disturbing to me that he calls anybody else treasonous and a, and a traitor at the very least in a colloquial sense what he has done is treasonous he has sold out who we are as a country he has threatened our our national security for political gain at the very least what richard nixon did was damaged domestically. Uh, he didn't spread this kind of uh, foul deeds to the rest of the world, bringing in our, our allies and our adversaries. That's Chicago Democratic Congressman Mike Quigley. President Trump's reelection committee has a new digital ad attacking Democrats for pushing impeachment. Trump says it's the only way Democrats can beat him in 2020. It's time to stop this nonsense. They think they're going to win. Did you see the one man? He said, it's the only way we're going to beat him in 2020. They have to do this. The only way they... Well, that's a compliment, I guess. But think of what he said. It's the only way they're going to beat me. And actually, it's working the other way, because now we have our best poll numbers that we've ever had. It's crazy. It's crazy. That's the digital ad from the Trump re-election campaign. We're going to move back and back local again and joining me here in the 
WGN Skyline Studio is Dorothy Miasso. She is executive director of the Literacy Volunteers of Illinois. And joining her is Reggie Dumas. He's a board member of uh, LVI. Thank you both for uh, coming to the studio this morning. Well, thank you for asking us to join you today. And, you in, so and hope you enjoy the lovely views here in the after finally getting a sunny Sunday. Right. Yes, it's a great view here and a nice day out there, too. I can't wait to get out and enjoy it. And, but uh, you're probably going to be watching football. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so you won't really be out very much. You're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Now stop telling the truth. Okay. <laughs> uh, I want, number one, I mean, I've, I've known uh, Dory for a long time, and uh, the, the Literacy Volunteers of Illinois is a great organization. And I, uh, as, as a journalist, as a reporter, as somebody who deals with words, uh, anything that encourages literacy, literacy education, uh, I can't support it enough. And so I, I wanted to have you here for that. And then we'll talk about a couple of events coming up uh, that I want, certainly want to support and promote. But first, tell me, what is the Literacy Volunteers of Illinois? What do they do? Well, we're a statewide organization, and our mission is that we are dedicated to developing and supporting volunteer literacy programs that help families, adults, and out-of-school teens increase their literacy skills. Um, adult education is not real high in a lot of public uh, agendas. Uh, there is a lot of support for K-12, through but for adult education, they kind of feel that um, if you haven't learned to read by the time you're an adult, you probably weren't uh, paying attention in school. Um, but the truth that of the matter... seems pretty dismissive. It is, it is. And the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of reasons that, uh, that people haven't been able um, to read. We try to get across that there's certainly no shame attached to it also, that um, there's learning disabilities, there's immigration, um, there are refugees, and um, without a lot of public support, Support for it, it's the volunteers and, and community programs that pick up the slack. So uh, we recruit people to be tutors. Uh, we do training for them. Uh, we support the, in the Chicago area, there's probably about 45 or so um, volunteer programs that offer one-to-one tutoring in both basic literacy as well as English as a second language. And we're always looking for more volunteers. So if anybody out there that's listening, that's interested in being a volunteer, give us a call. At, look up, look us up on our website. And the website is? lvillinois.org. Writing the stigma issue of, of uh, you know, people not wanting to acknowledge that uh, they can't read or they can't read well, uh, I think is a, a significant issue and hard for people to overcome to seek, to seek assistance. Yeah. Um, one of the things that really attracted me to the organization um, was exactly what you just said and exactly what Dorothy was just talking about, which is there is a stigma attached to um, this idea of, you know, once you get to a certain age um, and you might not be able to read or you might not be able to read as well, um, you know, what do you do at that point? You know, how do you function? Um, will people come out and, and actually support that? Um, I like the idea of empowerment, and I think that LVI actually does um, does a great job with that. And I think that once you empower someone to really take control of, of their destiny, and once you give them the tools, especially um, if you've created a community around them saying that, hey, you know what? Um, you know, you might not have learned this at the time that 
you were expected to learn this, but it's never too late. And that's really, really um, what I think is um, is really beautiful about what uh, what we do. Well, I think it's paramount. It's never too late. Yeah. Um, and uh, you, frankly, you never stop learning. Correct. I mean, that, if you just kind of switch the mantra a little bit, you know, there's always something to learn. Yeah, yeah, especially now in, in kind of like the digital age and, and really um, and really just because everything's just become so much more opened um, and, uh, and accessible. Um, I think that this is just the perfect time to, to really just empower everybody and just, you know, like you said, uh, remind everybody that it's not too late. Well, Dory, I think and, and, and it is empowerment. It, it is. It is. It's a. It's a matter of uh, social justice. Um, everybody deserves the um, the right uh, to be able to read. And as Reggie mentioned, is, and the society is becoming so complex, um, especially in the digital age. And the sorry thing is that you know there was an international study that was done. Uh, it's probably been about five years now, um, and the United States didn't really do that well um, in compared to many of the European nations, um, especially. Um, the United States kind of came in in the middle, especially on the digital um, issues, um, on being able to access uh, technology. So um, it's a serious problem. Is is because of digitalization and, and social media and those kinds of things, is the training for and the tutoring uh, is that different because of how things have shifted well there's been a little bit of a movement um towards introducing a lot of uh, a lot of the digitalization um programs and actually there's some programs that actually even do um tutoring um via the internet uh, but we're still pretty basic on on one-to-one uh tutoring how now? How does somebody access these programs, Reggie? Um, yeah, uh, well, we actually go statewide um, in terms of being able to uh, to connect with volunteers and stuff like that. Obviously, as our uh, as our name implies. Um, actually, I'm gonna. We do yeah. have uh, on our website. We have a volunteer directory that lists all the programs, um, especially up in the uh, uh, six county area. Um, as I mentioned, there's a lot of community-based programs. Uh, many of the community colleges also do have one-to-one tutoring programs. Also, on our website is a listing of the programs. It's um, included in there are the hours of operation, the kind of services they offer. So um, if people want to volunteer, uh, we have the information there. Um, if people are looking for services, we do have a listing there also. I will mention that also um, we do offer training uh, for individuals. So um, if you're a little bit worried, uh, if a volunteer is a little bit worried about whether they'd be able to teach, they're not a teacher, you don't have to be a teacher. In fact, it's better even almost not to be a teacher because teachers work from curriculum. We are... Um, uh, Accessible. Yes, and we're um, individual-based. Um, the materials that we use is a lot of life skills materials. You know, an, an adult brings a lot to them, uh, uh, to their learning. They've made it through the life all along uh, without with having limited skills. So we use materials, we use menus, we use um, work materials, job applications, everything life skills oriented. I mean, the fundamental making making it the fundamental kind of things that that you would encounter on a on a daily basis yes. yeah yeah exactly just you know taking it out of just academia 
but also applying it to real real world situation. Well, and I I know at one point I was you were kind enough to invite me to speak to uh, your your group and the Road to Literacy Conference and uh, where I talked about uh, political literacy and about how you know especially I think in these times uh, and and speaking of empowerment, but in these times the importance of of that words matter and words matter when you listen to campaigns when you listen to politicians um and being able to discern fact from fiction fake news (laughs) and uh, yes i I think i've heard that term before (laughs) well you really nailed it i think um uh dad just to add to that point um uh there's a lot of information out there um and disinformation and disinformation but that's kind of the key you really want to you really want to train yourself um and you also you know train others in your community uh to be able to understand what that information is so that you can make the best uh, decision possible we're speaking with reggie dumas he's a board member and dorothy Masso, the executive director of the literacy volunteers of illinois i'm rick pearson this is the sunday spin Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joining me here in the studio is Dorothy Miasso. She is Executive Director of the Literacy Volunteers of Illinois. And Reggie Dumas, who is a board member at LVI. And again, both of you, thanks for joining me. We've been explaining what Literacy Volunteers of Illinois does um, and, and I think in serving a vital role and and one where again we're talking about i think what's an often neglected part of a lifetime of education of learning how to read and how to comprehend especially more than ever in these fast-paced times how important literacy is but you also uh provide training for people as well yes and uh there's the americorps uh program Yes, so essentially being a statewide organization, we do provide support services uh, to adult literacy programs. One of the largest programs that we provide and one of the greatest services for the community-based agencies is we are a sponsor of an AmeriCorps program. We call it the VOCAL program, Volunteer Outreach for Community Action and Literacy. And for those that may not be familiar with AmeriCorps, um, it's often referred to as the uh, Domestic Peace Corps. And in AmeriCorps, we have a variety of opportunities um, from individuals serving on a part-time, very limited basis, maybe one day a week, to a full-time commitment of five days a week um, for a year. Um, during, as an AmeriCorps member, individuals uh, receive a living allowance. There's also an educational award, so it makes it very attractive, especially perhaps for recent college graduates or maybe those that are still in school. Um, in our program, the AmeriCorps members serve as literacy specialists. They recruit people to be tutors. They help to, to train them also. Um, and they also do tutoring themselves also. So it's a, it's a great program. Uh, we've been a sponsor of it for over 20 years, and uh, we've had probably um, 800 people that have um, been AmeriCorps members. Another program that I'd like to mention is that we work in the Illinois Youth Centers um, for delinquent kids, um, and we call that program Jumpstart, and we have volunteers going in uh, doing one-to-one tutoring with the incarcerated kids. We also do have a program 
uh, to reach them at once they're released also. And uh, we're always looking for volunteers there also. So we'd like to encourage you to consider that. Well, and it's interesting you make the point about that there's follow-up to that, that it's not just, you know, the trauma of the institution itself, but uh, but there's there needs to be kind of a follow up to it that it, it the services don't just end uh, upon release. Yes, exactly. Um, how do, I mean? Is there a way that you're able to stay in touch with uh, these these juveniles, or do they are they track them for you, or how how does that work? It's a difficult population uh, to work with, and it's I'm an sure. area that we uh, have just started uh, working with in the last couple of years or so. Um, there's a lot of pressure uh, for the kids once they do get back into the uh, community. Many of them do have aspirations. Um, realizing those goals um, is a little bit more difficult. Um, Many of the uh, youth that are incarcerated once they are released, um, they don't always have a place to return to also. Um, it's a, um, you know, a troubled life that many of them uh, have had. So keeping in touch with them, we do work with the what's called aftercare. Uh, they don't call it parole anymore. Um, and we work with the aftercare specialists also uh, to try to keep in touch with them. Um, as you said, that has to be an extremely uh, difficult population uh, to, to, to work with, but that's the one that needs to be accessed, I think, in, in a great way. Yes, a, uh, a major emphasis that we have, and we call that program Unbound College Bound, um, and we are seeking to get them into higher education, and we've had some success for, um, with it also. Um, we do have private funding for that program um, also uh, through the uh, Robert I. McCormick Foundation, um, who is uh, focusing on that population also. Um, you know, I... I I was curious, we've talked about this in the past, about um, how messed up the state budget was and and how that affected the organization with its funding challenges. Uh, have things gotten any better? They've gotten better, but we, uh, we're still waiting for payment for, I think it's uh, April, May, and June uh, on one of our contracts. The AmeriCorps uh, program is federal funds, so they're passed through, um, but even that at times is a little bit slow in coming in. So things are a little better. They're a little better. <laughs> After the borrowing happened last year, we got paid right away. Yeah. Pardon? After the, after they borrowed money last year, oh. we, they cleared away a lot of yes, our, with our, the, our with back the... payments. But um, it started slowing up again recently. How far behind did it get at the worst point? Well, in, at in one time, we crisis? at one point, we were a year behind. One year? One year, yeah. We uh, sold our um, uh, receivables to oh. one of the vendor assistance programs. It's, you know... This, these are vital programs. This is, as you said, you know, because of you're dealing with a population that some people kind of just disregard, and it falls to volunteerism, and it falls to programs like yours, and and then the government still finds a way to mess things up sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I think it's also it's it's there's always that, but I also think this is again this is a great thing about being a board member is that it's a um, it's a community, 
it's a community effort. Um, you know, um, it's true sometimes that you know things like that are gonna are gonna happen um, inevitably. But you know, um, I, I think that we're really dedicated to our mission, and I think that um, again, as long as there's always people out there who who know what our mission is and who are willing to help, um, you know, I think we'll 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 be in a a good place and and uh and then yeah i mean if anybody ever wants to like help us out or anything like that um i'm a big fan of uh doing like uh, individual donations and that kind of thing <laughs> well speaking of helping out we have coming up the uh scrabble for literacy challenge yeah why don't you tell us about that Okay, so uh, we began doing a Scrabble for Literacy Challenge as one of our main fundraisers for for the year, and we have one coming up uh, next Saturday. Um, its tickets are twenty five dollars. You, we offer three ways to play. So if you're a um, a a dedicated player, you can join the um, scrap the North American Scrabble Players Association playing a tournament. We are a we are a recognized and sanctioned national tournament. We also do have a competitive, where you play by Scrabble rules and you play for prizes and cash prizes. And we also have what's called just for fun to come out and surprise and uh, support us and play by whatever rules you want um, with whoever you want. Also. You don't. You can make up your own words. You can make up your own words if, <laughs> if, if you're playing against a bad speller that doesn't know the difference. I think I'll use Q and Z, and yes, I'll figure out some way to make. And it we'll work. have some silent auction items. Also, yeah. we'll have a raffle, and um, one of the prizes will be to get to sit in right here on the Sunday spin with Rick Pearson. Absolutely, yep. absolutely. You know that's Scrabble that's coming up. And then also we've got uh, casino. You know, casino night. Yes. Well, you know, not everybody's a word nerd. So um, we do offer other games to play also, and um, we are sponsoring a casino night also, and we're doing that in conjunction with Literacy Chicago also, uh, which is a uh, uh, the Chicago-based program that offers adult literacy services. We're going to have um, blackjack and roulette, poker and craps, uh, again, some silent auction items, um, raffle prizes. Uh, we can't offer money. Uh, for the casino, but you get to choose from a lot of great prizes once you cash in your chips. Sounds great. You can get and more that, information. And that is Saturday night, November 9th. You can get information about both these events at lvillinois.org and just click on the events uh, bar at the top of the page. Dorothy Miazzo, Reggie Dumas, thank you so much for joining me here thank this you, Sunday thank you. morning.